So I think the best way of entering this type of show since I watched the entire season is to just break down every single episode in a really quick paragraph, talk about it, um, give my pros and cons, and then you can splice in with some reviews and stuff okay. um, where, where you feel fit. Sounds Sound good. good? Yep. Okay. So episode one is called A Storm is Coming, and Julio, that's our main character, he's a man of simple means. He's lived in the ghetto for most of his life, always stayed on the straight and narrow. In fact, his day job is helping run a program called Hugs Not Thugs, which rehabilitates gang members and ex-convicts. So when his ex-girlfriend Maggie steals his car and his cousin Luis is released from prison, they both begin to bully him, and it becomes painfully obvious that he needs to stand up for himself to earn some self-respect. And I give that episode a seven. As a pilot, it introduced us to the characters. I understood their personalities. And it was funny enough where I was willing to give it a break for the next few episodes. I know it had a little bit of pilotitis in it because it had a very predictable plot. The beginning, middle, and end. Very succinctly wrapped up in a bow. Your favorite character? My favorite character from the first episode would probably be Julio. Because like, oh, no, no, actually, it's uh, the chef. What's his chef? Percy. So... You know Hugs and Thugs? Yeah. That, again, is their nonprofit. Right. So it's just a ridiculous premise. But I'm sure they, these exist out there. Like, it it's incorporates a lot of convicts who come in. But the, the name Hugs, not Thugs is what really sells the premise. And also you have these kind of ridiculous personalities. The guy running it is called uh, Minister Payne. And then uh, the first day when an ex-convict or a gang member is signed up for this, they have to attend a cooking class. They have to kind of learn how to bake cupcakes because that's how they sell those cupcakes at the local markets. And then they make the money to pay for hugs not thugs right right? okay so chef percy has this personality he's like a chris rock chris tucker kevin hart type he comes in there very proud of his cooking skills and he's a good cook but he was like an he's a he's a converted convict Mm -hmm. and now he's like very into baking and baking is one of those on-running jokes that exists there's a lot of on-running jokes in the show they bring up the oakland raiders a lot dentistry um it's one of the pros Southern, southern l.a yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, should I just jump into the second episode? Yeah. In the second episode, it's called Putazos and Luis, who's just come out of prison, right? Him and Julio and Chef Percy, my favorite character from episode one, are all dropping off these cupcakes at the local market. And Luis is challenged by an ex-rival gang member from his past to a fight with his crew. And so then Luis is like, he has to set off to amass his all his old like homies back together mm-hmm. so that they can go fight this guy and his crew <laughs> only for it to slowly like dawn to him over time because he's been in jail for so long that all his uh, all his friends are kind of like in different places in their lives. Either they're dead like fat ass or um, they've had like they have a bad back. They have a kid now. And so they end up bringing the kid along with them who's like 10 <laughs> years old and obsessed with West Side Story uh, and thinks of gang fights as like dancing fights. Right, yeah. Yeah. And or you have like Psycho who's still crazy but like too crazy like he wants to kill people Mm -hmm. so like they have to run away from him and so by the end he kind of realizes that he's too old for this shit and so does the other alternative rival gang member and so that's how how they they kind of meet they they meet in the park and then they see another gang fight going on and they go watch it fondly together (laughs) yeah it's really funny that one's an eight to me and it also made me realize that this show could be something special so episode three comes along it's called emotional timothy and they're in group therapy here at the, and it's called group hug. <laughs> <laughs> and so Luis is bragging about getting laid and divulges that he was engaged when he went to prison. 
And so Minister Payne, the guy who runs the nonprofit, also very poor, he's very anti-billionaires. Like he gets a check from Richard Branson at the beginning of the first episode for $10,000 and he starts cussing the guy out. He knew Richard because, Branson? I don't know if he knows him specifically, but he his nonprofit has gotten that money from him. But he's really pissed off at him because he's like, that's chump change to this guy. That's nothing. So he likes to insult billionaires a lot. Anyways, he's talking to Luis about uh, him getting his engagement ring back from this lady who he hasn't seen since he went to prison. So... Um, um, then on the other side, we have Julio's storyline. They break these two apart this time. And Julio is going on a Tinder date. And uh, it's interrupted by his ex-girlfriend again, Maggie, who has lost her rabbit. So Julio misjudges the situation, thinking the rabbit is fake and that she just wants to spend time with him. But when he goes over there and realizes it's real, he also realizes he still has feelings for her, ends up canceling the Tinder date. And uh, as far as Luis's storyline, he does meet up with the ex-girlfriend and she hates him. And so she decides that she'll give them the ring back, but she wants to be able to kick them both in the balls, both Minister Payne and also Luis. <laughs> and so that's what they end up doing. Then they take the ring to a pawn shop and the pawn shop tells them it's worthless. And then that's where Minister Payne says, this wasn't even about you, uh, Luis. I'm broke right now. And so I'm, I'm about to like, I don't have a place to live. And so Luis helps him with his landlord situation because they buy a hammer. And apparently if you have a broken window at your place, the landlord can't can, uh, evict you yet or something. Okay. Yeah, it was some weird, like, kind of sketchy loophole that they had worked out, but Luis knew about. So that all worked out in the end. And then in episode four, it's called E2 Julio Tambien. So, like, Obviously, E2 Mama yeah, Tambien. Yeah, right. yeah, but Julio Tambien ends up being the name of a character, and it's not our main character, Julio. Wait, so his last name is Tambien? Yes. <laughs> so, like, when he's introducing himself, Julio, our main character, to this guy, he's like, Julio Tambien. Like, so, yeah, so you right. think it's also, but that's actually his name. Uh, Julio tries everything to escape cele- celebrating his birthday, but he's eventually dragged to a bowling alley and uh, all he really wants to do is hear from Maggie. He keeps on checking his phone. He runs into her at the bowling alley having this date with this Julio Tambien guy. And so that's all this episode is, but it's a nine. That nine. The, the previous episode, I didn't say what my rating was. It was a seven. This one is a nine. It's absolutely my favorite episode. It's chock full with jokes. And I think it's the best character arc for our storyline. We find out that uh, Julio is just very afraid of birthdays in general. He doesn't like where his life is at. He isn't 31 in real life, the guy who plays him. It's so obvious, but like they, that, that's an on-running joke that he looks much older than he actually is in the show. Is but the in real epi- life, you can tell he's not 31. Is yeah. the episode the simplest out of all of them? Because that was a pretty It's got the simplest plot line to describe, but it's also hilarious. Okay. It's just, it's so funny. And all the characters have their time to shine in it. Um, in episode five, you have Sandy Says. And so Luis is really acting out. It's probably the weakest episode of the bunch, honestly. Oh, so the strongest fall by the weakest. Yeah, yeah. Luis gets sent to a volunteer therapist because he keeps on, like, interrupting during group therapy. And uh, the volunteer therapist's name is Sandy. And so he starts talking about why he always brings up Austin Powers and tries people, like, it drives people insane. Mm -hmm. Like, they hate it because he's so obsessed with 2005. Like, that's not even 2005, is it? That's, like, early. Yeah, that's late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. So, anyways, she breaks down to him what is going on and it causes him to bawl and cry. But then after that, he's kind of in a better place. And then they find out that there's a codis 
codependency between Julio and Luis that's happening. So they break them apart. And so no longer is Luis going to be handled or managed by Julio for his uh, rehabilitation. And so that works out for a little bit until they both start to miss each other significantly. And Sandy has given them good advice, but they hate it so much that they end up just teaming up at the end again. And they kind of tell Sandy to fuck off in, in a really rude manner. And it really didn't feel like it was moving the plot forward or having a substantive like arc because we'd already sort of understood their personalities up until this point. So this just was like a kind of an extra stamp on it. You know, Jake and Amir obviously college humor. Which one is Jake and which one is Amir when comparing Julio and Luis? Well, the thing about Jake and Amir is that they like to switch. One of them can be more crazy than the other That's one, but what, usually yeah. it's Amir. Right. In this, it starts off that Luis is the normal, or sorry, not Luis, uh, that Julio is the normal one and Luis is the crazy one. In Stuber respect, it would be <laughs> like, uh, uh, Julio is the Kumail Nanjiani character. And then Luis is Dave Batista. Exactly. Because Luis used to be a bully and he's not afraid to get in people's faces. And Julio is very intimidated by people and he just not doesn't want to cause conflict. But by around this time, it seems like they kind of switch. And That's sometimes what I read, yeah. Luis is the more uh, centered one and the more based in reality, and sometimes it's Julio. That's Julio's why. I, that's why I mentioned. Yeah, that's why I mentioned Jake and Amir because I heard that it like kind of switched uh, absolutely per episodes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But for the most part, Luis is probably the more crazy of the two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted to depend on one of them, you'd probably depend on Julio more. Um, yeah. So then, episode six, we're halfway through. Uh, Los Botes, uh, Julio's mother, Luis's aunt Esperanza. We've seen her a little bit in the past because they live at his mom's place works as a janitor at a corporate office. Now, this was perfect because it wasn't just any corporate office. It was the office from corporate. Yes. The first like thing that you see is those two who made the show. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, did I click on the wrong <laughs> thing here? Because the entire first scene looks like it's from that show. Yeah. And then she's, but, but then we get back to Esperanza. She's stealing stuff from that corporate office, like toilet paper and supplies. And she's bossy and she has no tolerance for anybody wasting any money at the house. So when Luis is like this toilet toilet paper sucks and he goes to buy better toilet paper that's when like the whole family dynamic starts to become really really tense because then they have to confront telling Esperanza that uh they aren't happy with and that she's too bossy and that she's treating it like a prison and uh she's obsessed with Reagan all she cares about is that she's had to work so long in her life she's an immigrant who came to the country and Reagan gave her amnesty mm -hmm. so it takes Reagan's ghost showing up in a dream while having a dump to convince her to kind of let people enjoy their life you know, yeah. and <laughs> and so I would give the episode an eight. The other storyline that's going on is Julio once again gets wrapped into kind of helping people that he doesn't really want to help. But because they keep on complimenting him as a nice guy, he, he gets up. He gets roped into helping this homeless man steal cans for money mm -hmm. from like the neighbors and yeah. stuff. And then he also gets uh, hooked into his sister's ex-boyfriend who does a lot of drugs he's not supposed to be in a friendly relationship obviously because his sister is his closest ally mm -hmm. and so then um they end up hanging out though because he's like you're such a nice guy dude and i miss hanging out so so yeah it's kind of yeah. just a retread again but it was a, a better episode than the previous one yeah so i guess i can bring it up now pat bishop and matt ingebrigtsen they were like uh, two or three directors that have uh directed corporate episodes as well and you should recognize matt ingerbetson because he was again one of the main two characters and jake wiseman who was the other main character wrote for this show as well so they got people from corporate the editor the producers the writers the directors just to come in and, and yeah for that first scene 
Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, for the whole show. Like, Jake Wiseman, Maddie Ingbertson, they wrote episodes for this show. It's based on Chris Estrada, who plays Julio's life. So, like, he's the one who also created it. But they're they're credited as creators as well. So, people really were happy that corporate made a cameo. But I was just surprised to see them suddenly show up when I was doing research for it. Well, I don't know them by name. But I do know Fred Armisen by name. And I know Jonathan Groff by name. So, when their names kept on popping up as executive producers, I was like, well, this is going to be something different. Fred Armisen said he wanted to do it because he... He found that, and it's gotten praise for this actually, that South LA is portrayed really well here. Like, mm-hmm. he actually thinks that it's pretty realistic, unlike some other TV shows. And Jonathan Groff actually produces a lot of, like, um, inspired by real life events things. Like, he's also producing Freeform's Everything's Trash, oh. which is also kind of like based on the same thing. So, I yeah. don't know if that's kind of as positive of publicity, though. I know it has the guy that was from Players in it, though. Um, I've, what was his name? Cream Cheese? No, not Cream Cheese. It was... We talked about this in the actual podcast. Anyways, I mean, it's funny when you recognize more people from the production side of things than the actual cast. The only person from the actual cast I recognized was Minister Payne. Um, but yeah, so we just got to run through yeah. these. So episode seven, Shit or Get Off the Pot, would have been a good episode title for the previous episode because of the Reagan <laughs> thing. But um, Luis is set in charge of looking after his two nephews Maggie tricks Julio into going on a hike because at his birthday, he kind of expressed his feelings and it was kind of obvious that they were going to get back together. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis takes his nephews to confront their bully, right? Yep. Um, that he then finds out was someone that he bullied. Their father is someone that he used to bully, but that guy has grown. So that guy oh, big. <laughs> then tries to murder Luis. Um, and then off on the other side, uh, Maggie has made this whole picnic thing that she wants to see the sunset on top of a mountain. But Julio just keeps on complaining that he's been kidnapped. And then followed by he eats some of the treats that she made, which she thought were lactose free. But she didn't understand that butter has lactose in it. <laughs> and he ends up shitting in the mountain. And they get back together anyways. Uh, so so that's about the end of that episode. It's an eight. That sounds was, like juvenile. It just sounds like juvenile humor. It is. But it's also mixed with really like heartwarming stuff and it's also really creatively done mm-hmm. like the devil what was it the demon the little demon that yeah. podcast that was also juvenile humor but it was just done for the sake of trying to make jokes you mean when that they TV weren't show. funny right yeah, yeah i would i call it a movie? podcast no i was talking about the podcast, the podcast that we, we talked did, about yeah. it this one actually has so many funny like on-running jokes one-liners we'll get into that when we get to my pros and cons Episode 8 is called The Devil Made Me Do It. It's where Julio's nephews have a form of confirmation with the Catholic Church. And they're, and Luis is doing his amends because he's at that part of the process in the hugs, not thugs. Right. Part where he's like going to everybody. He's uh, hurt. And, but like the first person he goes to tells him it was not him that did all these evil things. It was the devil. So he gets really into that idea. And he just kind of like rips up the list. And he's like, okay, the devil makes you do everything bad. And he convinces the kids, the nephews, the same thing. And so they start acting out. So everybody starts getting mad at Luis again again until the end of the episode where he apologizes to everyone publicly throughout the credits um and then julio and maggie decide to move in together uh and so oh, so that's like an actual story arc yeah, oh everything's a story arc. really i thought i thought it, i thought it was it's just not an episode by episode no, no, basis. No, these all go together that's what makes the show also good um so that's a seven and then in episode nine fuck the rich Minister Payne, we know, was struggling with money because he's always talking about that, right? Right. And he's living in a van. So they they accidentally open the door to put the cupcakes in to deliver. That's the delivery van. Mm-hmm. And they find him naked just sleeping there. And <laughs> this becomes an on-running joke that he has a, a massive dong, you know? Yeah. So then um, Fred Armisen and Elijah Coop come in. They're playing billionaires they're in the show. They're actually in the show. I didn't yes, know Yes, but that. whenever Fred Armisen is executively producing something, he's in it too, <laughs> like the spooky show. Yeah. That's 
what made me think he's got to be, be spread so thin because he shows up in everything. But he, yeah, two Spanish speaking shows. He is playing a, a really um, ignorant billionaire who's um, just very guilty that he's so rich. But at the same time, uh, you can tell there's something nefarious about it. So they come into the nonprofit and check it out. Julio's trying to sell them on giving them a lot of funding, right? Mm -hmm. And so Minister Payne finally blows up, though, because he just can't stand billionaires. And so he tells them what he thinks of them. The power goes out because they haven't been paying their power. And that's when Fred Arnimson and Elijah Coop's characters, uh, they start to write out a $15 million check. But then the caveat is that he has to pay, Minister Payne has to sleep with uh, Elijah Coop's character. Um, and so they end it kind of on a um, weird note where you're supposed to think that they have gone to do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. and But we don't know for sure until episode 10. So the, <laughs> that was just the weird Fred Armisen kink episode. That I give it a seven. Uh, episode 10, though, is the final of the series. It's called A Fresh Start. And everything just goes shits up. You know, uh, Minister Payne, apparently he didn't sleep with Rhonda because his dick was too big apparently for the it was it was a weird story but Julio then wakes up and he's cursed he's hurting his ankle he loses his job because, what do you mean by he's cursed like just bad things you said no like thing. the grandma of the house I forgot what her name is but she like says there's an evil eye someone has the evil eye and like he goes out running and he hurts his ankle immediately and a bird shits on him and then that happens later on <laughs> and also the stuff with Minister Payne and he closes the nonprofit. Hugs not thugs is done oh. but not before Luis can graduate and also get a job as a security guard at this suit place so he has been rehabilitated mm -hmm. but then julio also decides he's going to break up with maggie um for uh, a litany of reasons but mostly just because of his own insecurities mm -hmm. and that he doesn't want to move in with her the only real valid complaint he has is that she is sort of a slob but she truly does seem to love him and it it felt like the worst part of the show because it was like wow her character out of everyone from the first episode where she's stealing his car and kind of taking advantage to, of him to now where it's pretty clear that she's liked him the whole time and she wants to support him, but he's just being kind of a dick by breaking up with her. It ends with um, him not having his job at the nonprofit anymore and him and Luis uh, moving into the garage of the neighbors next door. So they're reminds no longer me, at the mom's house. Reminds me of Atlanta where it's like, yes. uh, Glover is sleeping in the, uh, like, yeah, but it's not closet. played depressingly. It's played like this is just another like all's the same again. Okay. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. My comparisons for this show. Well, actually, I have a list of comparisons and seven. And these are seven shows that Cinema Holly came up with. I want to see. Can I see how many like match mine? Should I see yeah. mine first? Uh. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Go ahead. My comparisons for the show are on my block. Aquafina is Nora from Queens. Pen Fifteen. Stuber for the Luis uh, Julio <laughs> relationship. It's Bruno, the Netflix <laughs> show. Its humor is very similar to that. Uh, Wilfred for the Luis Julio relationship again. Dave for the shitting in the forest moment. And then Couplings. Couplings was like a late one where I realized this is sort of, it, it's not as funny as Couplings, but it does come close. And it's got the same form of like, I care about the characters by the end of right. the thing. I really like this show. I remember when you said to you, like Couplings, like, is there any character that you just dislike? Like every time they were on the screen, you're just like, oh, can we get through this scene? Because like, I remember with Couplings, no. you said you liked every character. Yeah. No, so I, I like every character. And <laughs> even the side characters are hilarious. And they're not in every episode. So sometimes you don't know which opinion you're getting. It's a very creative show. I feel like... 
they want, like, I feel like critics want to be able to be like, well, this is representation, so it's going to be like Blackish or Never Have I Ever. And yeah. it's really not. It's not like those shows. Jordan Hellman, he's the head scripted content uh, person at Hulu. He picked it up because he said he wanted to beef up Latinx content uh, on Hulu. Yeah, th- so. but that's what I'm saying is like, you can clearly see that that was the motivation maybe to create the show, but the show has taken wings and flown Goes on its own. beyond that. Yes, yeah. I give it an eight as a whole. I have my pros and cons. Okay, I have like the comparisons though that other people have compared it to like sure. i said sam hall came up with seven shows here they are uh shameless no no, <laughs> no shameless is too messy and also the main character in shameless is like turns evil it's a breaking bad show yeah shameless didn't care if it veered into like criminal behavior if it got really really bad yeah. um this it feels like julio would not let it ever get to that point <laughs> i was a little surprised to see it on the list but it might just be because of the whole like um kind of rehabilitation aspect and that's what frank kind of goes through maybe throughout the first five seasons but the second one is parks and recreation yeah parks and rec is a is a decent one it's also got one-liners and stuff master of none um master of none uh, represented i feel like again that's only on the thing for representation okay two and a half men two and a half men again any comedy sitcom might have similarities with the show but it, i feel like this is way better than two and a half men seinfeld <sighs> seinfeld i guess they make stories out of nothing and yeah. that's what they do in this they definitely do that yeah i get that it's always sunny um who they're all broken so that's true, but I feel like they're much more put together than those characters. Okay. Like those characters are lovable only because you know how crazy they are. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to put it, but like yeah, I, I wouldn't really compare it to It's Always Sunny. Uh, yeah. Flatbush misdemeanors. Yeah, Flatbush misdemeanors makes sense. It's like on my block a little bit. Yeah. Port Portlandia. <laughs> okay, sure. Because <laughs> Fred Armisen and then Reservation Dogs. Yes, like those, Reservation Dogs. It, those it, last is, it is like Reservation Dogs. Yeah, those last four weren't on the list. They were mine. But uh, yeah, go ahead and get into your pros and cons. Okay, so the pros and cons. Again, I will reiterate the jokes are hilarious. The one-liners, I'm going to say a few of them now. Uh, you've got James Almost face. Because he does. <laughs> he has James Almost face. And that was in the pilot. And I was like, that's a perfect line to describe it. Um, there's a, a line where they're like pissing in the street like a rat. That you won't get that without the context. Do not eat the chili cheese fries. Tell everyone. <laughs> I don't think you need context for that one. Butter comes from the butter plant. <laughs> uh, and steal from the broke to give to the poor. That was what the homeless guy was trying to convince. The, because they are broke. Right. Um, there's also on-running jokes. Dentistry is brought up almost in every episode in one form or another. Even though his teeth aren't very good, he likes to brag about how he has um, a dental covered for with this nonprofit, but not health insurance. Uh, baking is a big deal. You got Trace Leches, cupcakes. Um, you got the old face jokes. Um, the Raiders. They they actually are watching the Raiders at one point, but it's the memorabilia is all over the place. Ronald Reagan. You see his picture on the stand for the entire show. So pop culture references. Ronald Reagan being a pop culture reference? I don't think so. But Minister Leonard Payne's previous careers, at one point he was a strip club owner. He's clearly been a minister before. They keep on calling him a doctor, even though he's never been a doctor. But he is he was a documentary filmmaker. He made a uh, film about an annual ping pong tournament for prisoners on Skid Row. <laughs> yeah, there's like a poster for it behind <laughs> in his office. So ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and then there's unexpected cameos. Obviously, the corporate people. Fred Armisen was expected, but Elijah Coop wasn't. Uh, codependency is brought up a lot, whether it be Julio and his girlfriend, Julio and his cousin, um, and then Luis being stuck in 2005, whether it be because he's catcalling people, he still thinks gay jokes are funny, acid reflux that he's now having and he's not understanding that he's like older, mm-hmm. and then also old references like Austin Powers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spanish doesn't feel forced. In fact, it feels very organic. They're not 
speaking English when they should be speaking Spanish. That used to happen in shows, not as much now. This is also a show about convicts that doesn't really glorify them or make them the center of the show. Like, I'm not trying to be morally superior or anything, but, like, we have a lot of Breaking Bad type shows. Yeah. They can be great, but, like, this one's kind of a breath of fresh air because our main character is not absorbed in that at all. In fact, that's kind of what the pilot's all about. Um, And then it's not just about our main character, so we're able to flip storylines and it doesn't really have to be guided by him. I've heard it's pretty seamless in that respect, yeah. Like, it flows well, I guess, yeah. Um, And then the soundtrack, actually. By the last episode, I was like, wow, they did get, like, good songs for this. I just never wrote down which they were. But, yeah, they incorporate them very well. My cons would be that, yes, it sometimes is a goofy show. But if you're willing to give it that goofiness, um, then you're really going to like it. Also, that fact that Julio is 31, I know they address it in the show as an on-running joke, but, like, it just doesn't seem plausible. (laughs) Um, But he's still funny as it is. But then my biggest critique would be that Julio, as the main cast member, he changes so much from episode one to episode ten. Like, his personality just becomes... he, He was represented as a pushover at the beginning, but then kind of by the midpoint, he became more of a jerk. And his character growth is just not somewhere where I liked where it headed. Again, he was kind of mean to his girlfriend, the volunteer therapist... The reformed gang members, he seems to think that he's a better better than everyone else mm-hmm. at certain points, which is very narcissistic of him. Um, and then ironically, Maggie's character, the girlfriend who you're not supposed to very much like in the first episode because she's she's not making a very good argument that she should just be allowed to steal his car. Yeah. Um, by the end, it's like she did nothing wrong. And yeah. so I, I, I was definitely in her camp and her as an actress, she did a really good job. They all did a good job. The side characters did a good job. Everybody did a good job. But yeah, Julio's arc was sad. And I'm not sure if it should be a con-con, but it definitely kind of soured the mood by the end there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last pros that I also forgot were that it had heart. And also it sticks the endings. All the endings to every single episode are like great. Like, 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 like the episode can be mediocre and then the very ending will have such a funny joke to end it that'll like <laughs> pull back to everything else that's happened that yeah it's great endings <laughs> yeah it has 100 percent on rotten tomatoes 92 percent audience score it's gotten really good reviews 7.7 on imdb um the episodes themselves only have like a handful of reviews i think the highest rated one was the second one putazos with an 8.6 but reviewers have like pointed out their favorites and the most i found were sandy says the fifth episode los botes the Sandy, Sandy says is my least favorite episode. Anyway, yeah, and then uh, I guess it, it, it hits the nail on the head when it comes to the theme of the show. But at the same time, it feels like a retread. Like we've seen this, we understand the characters, but and also it ends with Julio just insulting the therapist, and that doesn't seem right. But okay, go and, ahead. and then uh, fuck the rich was the last one that people uh, kind of pointed out or singled out. Yeah, I mean Fred Armisen is in that one. It's notable for that reason. And go watch it if you haven't. I really haven't spoiled too much. You could still enjoy the show knowing what you do about the episodes. Uh, maybe with a few less twists, but like, yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll leave it out with this uh, Hollywood Reporter quote. It's equal parts hilarious, misguided, and oddly touching. That's, that's, a, that's a good way of putting it. All right, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.